Welcome to Silverbacks Valley, a podcast brought to you by Silverbacks Holdings. Today in the Valley with Ibrahim Sanya is a special conversation bringing together the worlds of luxury, fashion, and sports in Africa. For this star-studded conversation, Ibrahim Sanya welcomes Oswald Boateng, a man who has been behind a 40-year-old fashion luxury label. He has designed costumes for Hollywood productions such as Black Panther and designed suits for the likes of President Barack Obama and Jamie Foxx. Alongside Mr. Boateng is Mr. Victor Williams, a seasoned banking industry leader who is now at the helm of the NBA's $1 billion venture in Africa. They are both joined by Mrs. Lorraine Kwasi Olsen, an African private equity expert who merged her investment know-how with her passion for luxury to launch Biramian Ventures, Africa's first luxury-focused investment platform. Joining the conversation is Letabo Sitole, a South African lawyer who founded the Impact Fund for African Creatives. Welcome to Silverbacks Valley. I'm your host today, and my name is Ibrahim Sanya. Today's episode is sponsored by AFCA. AFCA, the African Private Capital Association, is the nexus of private capital in the continent. It champions and enables private capital investment all across the continent. As the Pan-African industry body, AFCA plays a significant role as an effective change agent for the industry and acts as the trusted independent source of information, insight, and intelligence, inspiring investors' confidence, making the case for both commercial returns and impact for private capital in Africa. AFCA represents a community of capital allocators, investors, fund managers, advisors, entrepreneurs, and professional service providers committed to our shared vision of a prosperous Africa that is sustainable, inclusive, and innovative. We at Silverbacks Valley are big fans. I uh, think I'm going to start by reading a quote <laughs> and hear back from you uh, where it takes you. They say that basic brands promote the product because of its functionality. Premium brands promote the features of that product. That is the valuable improvement that is brought to bear. Luxury brands convince you to opt into their lifestyle and the product alongside its features become side events. I would say, I would like to come back to the redefinition of luxury because as you said, there is a duration, there is a sense of, you know, something that is greater than us. But the reality is the reason why we have done this is to change the way people actually see us. Because when we talk about luxury today, what we don't see is the savoir-faire, the exceptional craftsmanship. And today, when we look at the African continent, we are one of the richest continent in the world with that exceptional craftsmanship and savoir-faire. But guess what? The people working into the value chain don't value at all what they're producing. So our 
mission, our goal, our purpose, because behind every sense of adoration, they might, they need to be a purpose, is really to change the way the rest of the world sees us while investing in what we have of the most precious, i.e. our designers, craftsmen, and our talents. So behind every single brand, there is actually an invaluable talent that our objective is to nurture, to structure, to elevate, to transform into a business and then to extend internationally. So this is the reason why we have created Biremian to be, I would say, a financial institution, not a fund, a financial institution dedicated to fostering access to finance and financing solutions for brands, creatives and designers working into exceptional craftsmanship and value chain on the continent, promoting the excellence and savoir-faire emanating from our richest African continent. To answer your question, Ibrahim. You obviously have uh, now have over three years of operation on the African continent. What do you think is the biggest piece of opportunity investors should pay their minds to? Thanks. Uh... Thanks, Ibrahim, and uh, thanks everyone for joining here today. Um, as Ibrahim mentioned, uh, I am uh, leading the NBA's uh, activities in Africa, and um, the NBA, I think, is well known as a global uh, basketball league. But in Africa, uh, we have a number of objectives. We're looking to uh, really do uh, three things. We want to grow the number of people who uh, play the game and love the game. We want to drive engagement with our fans. And we want to build a strong commercial proposition for uh, basketball and, and indeed for sports on the African continent. And that's where I think um, the largest interest lies uh, with this audience. Uh, sport has historically on the African continent been under-indexed from an economic contribution perspective. I think many of us are familiar with uh, the pivotal roles uh, sports plays uh, in the US, in Europe, in other uh, markets where it drives a significant industry, uh, both in terms of live events, in terms of content, media rights, um, infrastructure and related uh, development. And we believe that sports can uh, play that same role in Africa and go from being um, not just about recreation, but also about significant uh, value creation. And so in the NBA, uh, we are looking to do that by, uh, in addition to building up the game at the grassroots level and engaging with our fans, we're looking to build a strong commercial proposition uh, in terms of uh, the sale of our rights, um, our media rights, uh, merchandising and licensing, um, uh, content rights, etc. But also uh, in the form of building and starting a league uh, here on the continent. So uh, this is our third season of the creation of our own professional league on the continent, the Basketball Africa League. And we see that league as ultimately becoming an entity that can uh, become a vehicle for value creation, uh, as well as greater development of the sports ecosystem. 
Uh, and with that, we want to demonstrate that sports on the continent can be uh, profitable and sustainable financially in its own right, uh, because that is what ultimately is necessary to uh, for sports to in attract um, uh, private capital across a number of different dimensions uh, that will ultimately enable it to play the role that it can play in the broader economy. I will take the, the floor to, to the challenges that uh, need to be addressed in their view to optimize uh, their success whether that challenge is something the governments in the local jurisdiction need to address, or in terms of the investment community that is the direct interface. So two things. One, I think market access and the ease of trading on the continent. Um, it, I think that the AFCFTA is great, but there still needs a lot of work that needs to be done with streamlining um, the different regulations for what do I need to move my goods from one country to another. But also, if you're working in a big production, some countries won't allow you to bring some instruments that other countries would allow, allow you to bring. So I think that's something that governments can really work on to make it easier and less costly for creatives to do business on the continent and also to trade their craft with other um, continents. And secondly, I think that um, IP is a very important thing. I also think that we overlook the value of IP to increase the value of the work. So if you can protect your work, then you can make a lot more money from it because then, you know, you've got mastery and you're the one go-to person for a certain thing and you can charge, you know, what you see as the right amount of money for it. So I think that's definitely something to look into, protecting the work and making it easier to sell it. Look, I mean, this is a, this is a journey, right? And so part of what we're doing is really demonstrating and living out what it means, and let's just focus on the Basketball Africa League piece, to start a professional league on the continent that is based on live events. Uh, one obvious challenge is infrastructure. Um, probably the biggest determinant of where we play, how long we play, is what cities have the right infrastructure in terms of arenas to host games uh, that will deliver the fan experience and the broadcast experience and the player experience that we want. Mm. Um, and today that infrastructure is significantly lacking on the continent. There are only a few cities where governments and or the private sector have actually invested in creating world-class arenas. So when you're running a, what is essentially in many ways a live events business, um, you need more arenas. The arenas will benefit, uh, you know, sports like ours, it will benefit the music industry, it'll benefit, you know, conferences and conventions, it'll ben benefit a whole range of ancillary um, um, uh, opportunities, but um, that's a step we would like to see more governments in conjunction with the private sector take, is to create more uh, world-class arenas. I mean, and then I think, uh, as, you know, um, Latabo 
has spoken of some of the different difficulties of operating across the continent. Mm -hmm. And when we run a caravan model, so uh, in a particular season, we'll host games in this year, for example, in Kigali, uh, in Dakar, and in Cairo. And so in many ways, we're moving that production across uh, these African uh, cities. The whole issue of you know, freight and transport mm. and custom clearances and, <laughs> and the like um, are st is still very, very challenging on the African continent when you're trying to run a pan-African uh, production. Um, and yeah, those are two of the key challenges that I would, I would highlight. Today's episode is sponsored by AFCA. AFCA, the African Private Capital Association, is a nexus of private capital in the continent. It champions and enables private capital investment all across the continent. As the Pan-African industry body, AFCA plays a significant role as an effective change agent for the industry and acts as the trusted independent source of information, insight, and intelligence inspiring investors' confidence, making the case for both commercial returns and impact for private capital in Africa. AFCA represents a community of capital allocators, investors, fund managers, advisors, entrepreneurs, and professional service providers committed to our shared vision of a prosperous Africa that is sustainable inclusive and innovative we at silverbacks valley are big fans lorraine to pick up on uh, the challenges uh, the panel has raised what do you think needs to be done uh, to to permit the sustainability of the sector because you and i have had uh, some of these conversations one of the things that we observe is that luxury brand, the same as sports brand, have a bit of an immortality aspect to it. Like most of the teams you and I watch, whether it's football, soccer, basketball, the oldest team in baseball is 120 years. Most of the basketball teams are 50, and you have fundamentally no record of death in in soccer, you get released, but you do not die. In the meantime, we spend all of our lives doing investment banking or private equity in sectors where the mortality rate, in technology, for instance, where we invest a lot, that mortality rate is 95%. So you're fundamentally going into a disease and death prevalent sector. <laughs> in the meantime, you have sectors where you have they're my gods that just don't die. And one of the biggest ones is obviously luxury, because I would argue that all the companies at LVMH eventually bought, on average, they're over 40 years of age. And the person that created those brands that they're named after, that person in many cases is no longer here, and that brand continues to dominate and find subsequent buyers so what do you think in your platform, Lorene, is essential to be done to permit that the sector prevails? 
in the continent. To keep it simple, when and to, to put the discussion in the context, on context of investments, I would say that there is a concrete and straight opposition between the business model of private equity and the business model of a luxury brand. What is actually needed for a luxury brand to remain sustainable, to upscale, and remain, I would say, competitive in a highly competitive environment is the leverage of capital that can be injected into the company. So there is no secret. For a luxury brand to be su successful, when you look at the Dior, Chanel, Louis Vuitton, there is a massive level of investment made into those brands to support creativity, to support artistic direction, to support production, to support distribution, to support the reinvention of themselves as sustainable brands. Guess what? Where we're coming from in the private equity industry, and Ibrahim, you've been working into that sector for more than a decade, we've worked on transactions in the past, what we have been framed with is the distortion of risk and the fact that we don't need to have our same eggs in all the same buckets. So the dispersion, diversion in terms of risk mitigation is critical. So having the investment strategy where you will pick one brand and invest massively into that brand is something that our DFIs, our LPs, don't really get it right. To them, we need to have a portfolio of multiple brands, which is normal, so that there is no risk in terms of concentration. So this is what needs to be improved. The nature of the structuring of our investments, the nature of the investors who are investing into our vehicle, so that the strategy that we would like to put in place to make sure that we don't have 1,000 brands, but only one, which is, success, which is successful and sustainable in the long run can be implemented. So I think drastically the relation to time, investment, return, risk concentration, i.e. the PE classical business model, need to be reinvented to be adaptable to the luxury, fashion, creative industries, because what is key is the amount of capital the amount of investment that can be done to sustain the growth. We were discussing this earlier today, that uh, an immense amount of capital needs to be put to permit uh, defensibility of these brands. So where do you see um, the, 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 the bullet points? I think where we're coming from also Money is not scarce if it's rooted to the right sector. But today, the, the hotspots are education, health, you know, um, uh, tech. And, and, and sometimes people tend to see luxury as a distraction to us, you know, right? Like as if we didn't have the rights to own our own luxury brand. But if you look at it from a different standpoint, i.e. the employment, the craftsmen who are working in Niger, Mali, Côte d'Ivoire, Senegal, everywhere on the continent, on something that is really precious, as to, to say a savoir-faire, which needs to be preserved, sustained, maintained. There, there is an angle where we can actually build a case. And I think building that case will also depend on our ability to financially innovate. If, there is, if the sources of funding are not ready, we need to show a case 
to come up with innovative financial product that can support such needs until we'll get there. So it's also for us to be agile, disruptive, to, to come up with the solution when things are not working the way they should, but, but still to be convinced of the case we're building, i.e. the next generation of the future luxury brands, the way we define them with our own description of, of, of luxury, for it not to be a distraction, but a value addition and proposition to the contribution and generation of GDP for our continent and our 54 countries. Any last on AI, plus and minuses for each of your industries? Regarding AI, well, I think it depends on what we're actually talking about uh, with respect to the creative and the fashion industry. Whether AI can be a financing tool through NFTs, for instance, I would be very cautious because we are witnessing the collapse of the NFT market and because, you know, there is too much uncertainty and nervosity going right now into the capital market for it to be a proper tool in terms of raising funds. Now, whether AI can be through the metaverse, for instance, a tool to expand a brand awareness and to develop ancillary sources of revenues through uh, the metaverse, creating shops, creating collections, everything that can enhance the awareness and outreach of the Africanity of our brands and our heritage is definitely a plus. But we won't succeed if while increasing the visibility, we don't invest into the structure, infrastructure and those businesses. I think we are also operating into an ecosystem as far as the fashion industry is concerned, which is still and mature. So before we get there, I think we, not, we need to make sure that our foundations are really strong. And that's what we are committed to achieve while working on capacity building, access to finance, financial innovation. We'll actually writing the case, maybe for the next generation to jump into all those opportunities. Thank you for listening to this episode of Silverbacks Valley. For more episodes around founders building dominant platforms from Africa to the rest of the world, you can follow us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anjami, and Audiomac. Tune in. <laughs>